0: I'm sorry that I missed your party. I wish I had a better excuse, but I can't even lie, you
1: got me. I was busy thinking about boys, boys, boys. I was busy dreaming about boys, boys, boys. I was busy thinking about boys. Boys! Boys! Let's get ready to rumble! Welcome to Aya versus The Big Boys. Tonight's fight. Yee yee! Hello and welcome. My name is Kevin Cookman, resident big boy and ringleader for the matchup of this century. As you very much know, we are struggling in a global (laughs) pandemic. Most of us not even anymore working from home the side effect of that a lot more free time to catch up on media of all shapes and sizes we all have movies we know we should have seen by now but just haven't call it the canon call it the imdb top 250 or call them the big boys the pinnacles of cinema maybe the most explicitly patriarchal artistic medium of all time it is time for a bro movie beatdown, without any further ado, in today's episode, and every episode, I am joined by the titular prizefighter herself, Aya motherfucking-
0: oh, Kev! Thank you. Hello. Hey, buddy. Hi, buddy. How's it going? Hey.
1: Oh, how's it going? It's going like shit, dude. Brother. <laughs> shit fucking sucks.
0: <laughs> Happy belated Thanksgiving, Um, since this pod is dropping right after Thanksgiving.
1: Drop a hot Thanksgiving take right now.
0: I just don't think it's that big of a deal It sucks right <laughs>
1: it's, kind of, it's, it's kind of mid in the grand scheme I of like things I like
0: Thanksgiving don't get me wrong Like, I like to hang out with my parents and eat a lot of food But like I do that a lot I don't know I don't think we need to like
1: <laughs> Make a big deal out
0: of it Whatever that's my take on Thanksgiving And also um, pumpkin pie is the best dessert I don't think that's a hot take though
1: Pumpkin pie is like baby food in pie crust That's that's the shit right there Ugh. No, thank I
0: don't you. love that no, I don't love you. that visual you've just given me <laughs>
1: I'm here to ruin all holidays. Oh, buddy! I. How are you doing, I'm bud? How are so you?
0: Pumped, honestly.
1: Dude, this is a fucking crazy episode. This is episode. A wild. I can't episode. We're doing this. Um, we've
0: gotten <laughs> messages about this episode, cautioning us <laughs> almost. We got messages saying interested to see what the Yi episode is like, and I'm saying, you know what, brother? <laughs> it's gonna be like any other episode. <laughs> we're gonna talk about a freaking movie, but. It's maybe a tad more exciting than any other episode because, Kevin, why is it exciting? Oh, why is why? that? Why is why? that? Why? Tell we me. We are joined.
1: Tell us. By
0: two true culture queens, in my opinion, in my humble opinion. Ooh. Two women who I log on every friggin' day just to see their takes. I have our group chat pinned because I love to update my phone. And I have it pinned right in the center for the friggin' takes. I love the takes. And we've got to brilliant writers, just gen- all around friggin' funny people, Jennifer Anderson and Alexandra Wallachy. Welcome to I versus the
2: Big Boys, ladies! Hello, hello, hello. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Thank you so much for having us. Good We're very excited. <laughs> I'm so, I'm so
0: <laughs> pumped to have you on this podcast right now, and embarrassed a little bit because it's embarrassing to have a podcast.
2: <laughs> <laughs> this is my podcast debut. I've never done a podcast before. Oh my god. Alex, have you? Alex, uh, you have.
1: Welcome to the Slippery Slope.
2: <laughs> I was actually,
3: sadly, the podcast editor at my college newspaper, which is, I think, more <laughs> oh, embarrassing. I love that. Because wow. I received a stipend to podcast. so so!
0: <laughs> to be paid to do
3: this? To share your takes? <laughs> to edit audio and Final Cut Pro? Disgusting. Welcome to Iver's the Big Boys. It's a huge app. Huge app.
1: God, just tons of premieres here. Nonstop exclusives.
0: There is a reason why Jen and Alex are here today. Um, I feel like we don't always have, like, big reasons why we have podcast (laughs) guests. This one, I was like, no, no, no. There is a reason we have a podcast guest today. Um, I'm gonna throw to Jen. Jen, why are you
2: here? Why are you both here? So, I feel like when I found out that I had a podcast, a film podcast, we kind of got to, no, 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 no. I'm gonna back it up. That's not where it started at all. Okay, Um, okay. My film bro friend of mine kind of, like, held me at gunpoint and forced me to join Letterboxd. And... Horrific way to start a Big story nice. I know it's only getting worse. But yeah, and so I was like, I went to his page and I was like, oh, what are his like top four favorite movies? And I was sort of, uh, threatened by his choices a little bit. <laughs> uh, A little obscure, a little curated. So one of them was Yee, Yi, and I was like, what the hell is this? I've never heard of it. This must be some pretentious movie. How annoying! And so I went to Aya with this complaint, and she suggested, "Oh, let's watch it for the podcast." <laughs>
1: <laughs> so you're you're harping on something really fascinating here. In that, I, it, it it seems to be very sudden. I have not noticed this until like the past two or three years. But Yi, Yi has become this new like art boy cultural bastion. Like oh you haven't seen the three-hour Taiwanese family (laughs) drama? (laughs) Get the fuck out of my face. Like, it is a very odd qualifier for people to... And you're right. Like, it's a movie that, like, anyone who's, like, in, like, maybe, like, the New York film scene or the L.A. film scene, obviously the Asian film scene... This is like an all-timer classic, but in the grand scheme of like what the idea of the canon is, like what we've been talking about on this podcast about big boys, it's definitely like a more fringe choice. It's like rising up from its ranks, you know? It's 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 gaining in this reputation of being a a new rite of passage. Why? Why?
0: I thought it, I mean I think that it's interesting that we've gotten comments I, I say we got comments as if it's like the Reddit board is going crazy. Um, but like someone, what, like one of the podcast editors at Mary Graham magazine was like, I'm interested to see the, to listen to this episode. But, and I think it's because it seems like, you know, Based on the general premise of the podcast, people kind of assume that we're just like, like high key dunking on every movie we watch, or we're like, Oh, this movie is great, but people don't get it. You know, I feel like the reason I I wanted to watch this one is like you said, like, it's this up and coming, like, facet to bro canon, but it's like a very different kind, you know, it's like a soft boy. Blick. It's a soft boy fave. It's an art boy, soft boy fave. And I'm kind of, I was really curious about why I went on letterbox.com and it was like a bunch of dudes had watched it and given it five stars. And I was like, that's sus as hell. <laughs> what, are we, what am I looking at here?
1: Well, I think like the extra sus part is that like you read those five star reviews. And it's just the most vague, like, no words can describe it. Yes! GG. It is the best film of the 21st century. And every fucking review is like that. And, like, no one ever backs it up with what it actually is. It's, I don't know, it it is a weird, also, like, competition to see who can talk about this movie in the most ethereal quality (laughs) possible.
0: (laughs) Yes! You get, like, a poll quote. They really want that fucking poll quote for the Criterion. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Let me write the essay, please, daddy, please, please. please. <laughs> Alex, do you have any uh, Background with Yee And or film boys
3: Okay, I feel like I'm the only person on this podcast Who did not go to film school So this will not be my most eloquent take But I had never heard of it Except for <laughs> it um, Jen's story
1: <laughs> Well, by proxy, it will be The most intelligent take on the podcast <laughs>
3: <laughs> Well, like I said I was kind of like, well, what are we going to do Like The episodes of your guys' show Which I enjoyed that I listened to was like, you know, like the Good Time episode where it's like, yeah, I have things to say about Robert Pattinson for sure. But I was like, what are we going to say about a good movie? But after this, um, not that I didn't see Good Time, I'm sure it's good. But like, after seeing it, I'm just like, oh yeah, it makes men have feelings and that's why um, that's why they can't define it, but they like it.
1: Uh, okay, look, I think you bring up a really interesting point, Alexandra, and I'm curious, what, how do you qualify a big boy in your head? Like, okay. are big boys technically, like, these things that make men feel, and that's what taps into, like, the brain sense of, oh, this is one of the best things ever? Or is it a purely reputation-based game? What is it in your head?
3: In my head, I thought it was more like, okay, this is kind of toxic male culture, like the Taxi Driver episode, or, like, I assume you guys did The Godfather or will do The Godfather at some point. Something that a man would have in a poster in a dorm. And I, you know, I'm sure there are dorms that have yee posters, and I'm sure that man is insufferable. <laughs> But it wasn't my first thought.
2: By the way, Yee, yee poster is gorgeous. Like, no, it oh. is,
3: and I I really enjoyed this movie. But I think there is an element of like performative Yee, yee fandom, as you're describing on Letterboxd.
2: <laughs> the guy with we
0: his are getting framed, right to the fucking jugular. The, guy with the framed yee, yee poster is absolutely insufferable, and every time <laughs> he brings someone back to his apartment, and they're like, "Oh, what's this? What's this?" supposed poster for And He's like. Oh, my God. It's a film that gutted me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Jen, would you say that you have, like, a similar um, sort of take on what a big boy is and how Yi fits into that?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think, like, a big boy, I I think beyond just the toxicity element of it, I think they, like, want to, like, educate uh, the lesser-minded on what constitutes a film and what does not constitute a film you
1: know oh my god <laughs> i we're not ever going to talk about you, and you. <laughs> this is so good
3: <laughs> this whole podcast will be a takedown of men in general
1: <laughs> so in in that edu- in the in the realm of education what do you think men usually educate against like what what is what, what is like the the textbook here
2: um i mean i think it's like uh this, you know, I'll bring up like like Marvel movies and like it's like the the hatred against the big blockbustery fun movies and like maybe it's like movies that are traditionally more like geared toward women don't really fall in the realm of big boy movies. Like those are not like the academic learn something, you know, like this is about deep concepts movies. Um, and i think that's a really limited scope on what a movie can be
1: i'm reminded a lot and I'm, i we're, we keep bringing up this cursed fucking website but i wrote a review of of twilight on letterbox this week that like really assessed that film on a very like Tender and like very straight up level of like this is a but like the fact that like Catherine Hardwick basically established an entire visual language that then defined YA for the next decade and that's just seen as like glad we got out of that era like I feel like that's that's crazy even though it's it's very much part of like our our visual pop culture history like we cannot assess popular filmmaking without looking at what Twilight did and it's very weird on like a grand scale and just on a on like on a filmboy scale. That like for as open thinking as a lot of people can be to enjoy the three hour Taiwanese family drama, there is still a wall up on. Eh, but Twilight is not a real movie.
3: <laughs> I'm so glad
1: Twilight's come up. It was bound to, honestly.
2: I was gonna say I think it's a lot about like who is the intended audience for the film, and so like Twilight is for young teenage girls, and I don't think. Generally speaking, they're considered like the most like academically minded group of people. And so I don't think films made for that group of people are considered films like worthy of like praise and like uh, looking at in a critical way.
1: Aya, I'm curious, before going into Yi Yi, what did you think Yi Yi was? What did you expect going in? And I guess we can then like kind of go into what did we all think of Yi Yi Yi?
0: you're right and about the Letterboxd reviews, because I had obviously read the Letterboxd reviews because this is how I discovered the film was on Letterboxd, which, curse website, but unfortunately, I guess, does offer, like, education. Um, I feel, like, all the reviews on Letterboxd, like you said, are very vague and very, like, oh, they're very, they're heavily in praise of the piece, but for no, like, real specific reason, other than, like, the way that you read a lot of reviews that are just kind of, like, this movie is going to make you feel a lot. <laughs> you're like, cool. I kind of expect that for most movies, if not all. Um, and so I was prepared to just kind of, I don't know, I was prepared to like deeply vibe and cry a lot. and did neither of those things, which sounds bad, but I, because I enjoyed it. It just, I, I was really expecting something that was going to like shift my center of gravity and it didn't. So I was very surprised to kind of read these reviews I mean I really liked it and like I at the end I was getting very emotional and then I finished it and then I cried do I mean it was one of those
3: (laughs) like I agree I really liked it but when I'm trying to think about what I liked about it uh you know to do this podcast I was like oh it was just good I mean not just that's that's a big ask but it's like oh it made me think about family dynamics but those aren't the things in the reviews and also, the fashion was incredible. Oh, my God. <laughs> Iconic. Iconic.
1: Fits on fits. Drip City.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think what the movie does really well is it manages to be three hours long without feeling like it's three hours long. Like, to me, it felt like I was like binge watching a miniseries almost like it didn't really feel like. Uh, a traditional like structured movie as much as it did like, oh, this is like a series of episodes about this family that all sort of culminates in like this big emotional moment at the grandmother's funeral. Um, But yeah, in skimming the letterbox reviews, uh, none of them quite was able, like were able to like sell me on like, what is it emotionally that is resonating with these watchers? Well, it also
3: feels like it's a million different movies in one. Like, it's an infidelity story. It's a murder. It's like a teen a coming of age. Twist. This little boy might drown. Like, <laughs> how would you summarize all that? Except to say that, like, it was three hours. I had to take my laptop to the bathroom twice.
1: So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's kind of like Edward Yang's specialty. Like, we're, we're talking about a dude who is on the forefront of the Taiwanese new wave, this, like, movement in the 80s that's coming in with him, uh, Ha Ho Sien, uh, and a bunch of folks that is, in a weird way, like, making this very fiercely nationalistic cinema. And I think you can feel that in Yi Yi as well, where it's just, this is a movie about a man who do- is not sure that his own country has, a, has an identity. It's either all China-influenced, it's all westernized American-influenced, but what is what is Taiwan? Uh, and so, like, on top of all these different, like, soapy subplots, it is ultimately, like, this treatise on an entire country's identity, but then also this fucking, uh, like, a movie about why Edward Yang makes movies. Like, there are very straight-up convos about... The reason we watch these things, like there's that whole conversation uh, on the date where the kid is talking about his what his uncle has told him. And, you know, you have the quotes that are are you know, always circled around for like the the theater intros and the quad is putting the you know uh, movies make us feel twice. cool, fine, whatever. But I think the most interesting thing, and what I think hints at like, the, the darkness of, like, Yi Yi and, like, a lot of what Edward Yang wants to get across with his movies is when that kid, Fatty, uh, he says, like, movies teach us what it's like to kill, even though none of us are murderers. It, it gets into this, also, this feeling of, like, we watch these things because we, we you get the naughty shit. You know, you, you get the little bits of, like, ooh, what does pain feel like? Ooh, what does sadness feel like? Which is dope. Like, that is what we go to movies for. But it also really rang to me as like, oh yeah, that's what big boys are all about. Like, let's let white men feel oppressed by watching a movie. Like, give them the feeling of what this is. Uh, I don't know. This is my second time watching Yee because the first time I was right there with y'all. I was like, okay, that was like, I didn't hate my time watching that, but I also like, it's not like the, the ton of bricks hitting my fucking head that all these weirdos (laughs) in, in Brooklyn are telling me it is the second time around when you can actually get your bearings and you can understand like, okay, so this is like, let me just, let me just vibe. Let me just vibe out for a bit. It, it does kind of get better, but I'm also like, do you guys think this movie has to be three hours?
2: I mean you know i i'm always in favor of a tight 90 but hell yeah oh yeah oh yeah i don't know this movie like i think used its time wisely like sometimes there are movies that can be three hours and can be like very simple and it works and i don't i never felt like oh this is dragging like this should be cut like i felt like it kind of earned every minute yeah i agree
3: yeah like even the brother-in-law, like, Adi, oh, who God. I hated. You still need his suicide scene. Like,
1: I hate him. You need every well, scene. he died. In. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's weird. Uh, I'm not sure if it needs to be. I think, I, wow. I, I feel like. Oh, God. The sequence that kind of gets me fucked up is when he goes to Tokyo with the old flame, the father. I'm not sure. Sh- I'm not sure what I'm getting there about him reclaiming his youth once more and realizing that he wouldn't want to redo it That I wouldn't have just gotten with him meeting the Japanese video game designer Like this movie gets so close to just saying like oh, yeah male friendship is just literally all you need You just need like a compatriot that you can just (laughs) speak to and be emotional with and just have that be your rock and then it kind of gets into like oh, but let's put a, you know, will they, won't they? Uh, this ex from 20 years ago, let's see what happens. I, I feel like it's like, it's very clumsy given how otherwise, I, I guess like, sort of sophisticated this movie feels. The movie has a very sophisticated feel. Like it is like, I feel like I'm I'm usually too dumb to be enjoying it. Uh, I don't know. Did that subplot work for everyone else, I guess?
2: I think that was my favorite part of the movie. Me too. <laughs> Oh shit. I thought that whole section was like exceedingly well done and like it was the most emotionally resonant. And like I saw two people who like have are just like intensely flawed and like keep making huge mistakes in their lives and have all these regrets and then still continue to make almost the identical mistakes like in the present. And like I, I don't know that all just like really stuck with me i it might just because it kind of resonated with
0: me and like my own life but like i think what i i really took from that whole sequence and why i do feel like it should be so long is because i know i immediately went on a walk with my friend right afterwards and was just like really unpacking everything and thinking about how like what really like weighed on me about this movie and what continues to weigh on me and what i will take away from it is just like the concept that like life is so long and confusing and you will not get everything answered and not everything will tie itself up nicely do you know what i mean
3: well no she's like obsessed with a relationship yeah. from 30 years ago which is deeply sad but also like i mean i'm not 30 but i get it like <laughs> you can you can certainly be stunted emotionally
0: like, it it all of their storylines kind of gave me that feeling where like life I and one of the reviews I read, and unfortunately, it really brought me back to fucking BTS's new song.
1: (laughs) Oh my fucking god! (laughs) All right, thank you for listening to I vs the Big Boys.
0: Like what the hell? Why am I thinking about this right now? But like, truly, like life is so confounding and endless, seemingly. But like, and like the the ending of the film. Not to like jump ahead to the ending of the film where this child is standing there being like, I don't have all the answers and all I want is to be able to give everyone answers. But I, and you're like, okay, but you never will. Like this grandma just died and she died not knowing everything. And like, we're not going to know everything. And every experience we have isn't going to like tie itself up into a nice little bow. Like you're still going to be left standing in the hallway of a hotel room realizing that like this person you are maybe going to risk it all for changed their mind. You know, like it's, that's what it left me with was like, especially in connection with the conversation about how movies aren't real life or slash, are they real life or are they not real life? Like in most movies, you get that ending where you have a pretty little bow on things. You get an answer, but like this movie was like, no, you don't get all the answers and you kind of just have to be okay with that for the next 90 years because life, life goes on. And it just has to keep going on. It's just not going to stop. And it reminded me a lot of that conversation that you were discussing in the on the date. Reminds me so much of that uh, part in Call Me by Your Name where they go where the um, Italian couple I believe they come yeah they come over and they're like talking about film and they're like film is a reflection of reality but with a filter. And that conversation reminded me so much of that where like that film you get too much reality in like a bad way but like it's still cinematic and this film it's like not cinematic you just kind of keep living your life because life is life and this movie is life because there's no ending
1: yeah I, i think like one of the interesting things that the ending posits is like is the fact that we can't redo any of this shit is that the splendor of life like is that kind of what makes this worth living like that you have no take backs whatsoever It's like a very I don't want to say cynical but it is a very like pragmatic view of what pleasure is and I think it's it's a viewpoint that like ultimately helps Edward Yang prove the point that like he spent his life well like this is his last film he dies in 2007 Uh, and so this is essentially a swan song for him where uh, he puts all of his sort of or at least I feel he puts all of his sort of life mantras into uh, into Yang Yang where he literally wants to like uh, photograph the backs of people's heads so that they can see what they never can. And like, if that is not essentially the goal of, I mean, not even just any filmmaker, like any artist, really, you know? Like it's a movie all about perspective in a medium that's literally about perspective. Um, It's not a humble movie at all. Like I definitely (laughs) think Edward Yang is like, oh, good job. We spent this career very well. it's very like self-congratulatory in a sense while also remaining kind of super melancholic i guess that that's what i keep coming away from is it like oh yeah this is like a once upon a time in hollywood type of beat where it's like oh this i fucking love movies dude this is great (laughs) when you said
0: once upon a time in hollywood i was like literally about to be like this Uh, is like once upon a time in hollywood so tarantino's like i'm not done yet and everyone's like are you sure (laughs) this movie is like a beautifully nihilist kind of film. Like, I, like you say it's pragmatic, and I'm like, yes, and that's something that comforts me. Like, once again, as we've discussed heavily on the podcast, nihilism is extraordinarily comforting to me. And this movie was comforting in a way, and, like, you know, I, a couple of the articles were like, Edward Yang feels like I want to give him a big hug because this movie felt like a big ol' hug. And I'm like, did it? I don't, right? I'm like, I don't know if that's true. But, like, the general conceit that like yeah you're just on like a friggin fast train to the end of your life it makes me feel better you know knowing that like i don't know it does make me feel better i feel like he takes like the nihilism of reality of knowing that like you're not going to get the answers and knowing that you know you're gonna spend your whole life longing for something else like the mom who just like escapes to the mountains and comes back and is like fine well life fucking sucks either way so might as well just keep living it um but that is but it's comforting because she's like laughing you know she's like i realized i was just my mom in this situation and all these people were just (laughs) saying the same shit to me every day and that's i find that comforting in a funny way you know and does anyone else feel
3: comforted by this film Sorry, their mom thing reminded me that like this movie was three hours and we never got to see her with her master. Like, I'm very curious. Yeah, what about the that. hell? <laughs> Seems like you left something out and you showed me so much of that brother-in-law that I Give hate. For
2: a spinoff, baby, I hate
0: him. I just <laughs> want to see mom vibing in the mountains.
1: Does this movie feel like a warm blanket? Does it feel comforting? I would venture, definitely no. For me, I think it's 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 a it's not a caustic movie, but it's definitely like I keep thinking about that fucking date scene and how like. The the biggest thing that, like, terrifies me about it is, like, when they're walking over to have some food and a drink, they walk by a row of movie posters, and it's uh, Star Wars Episode I, The Phantom Menace, it's Wild Wild West, it's Robert De Niro and Billy Crystal and Analyze This. God, this is... uh, and Tarzan! Uh, and, and Tarzan, of course. <laughs> but it's like, it, it makes it all the more clear that, like, damn, like, Edward Yang's been at this game for, like, at least 25 years, and still the only movies in Cineplexes in his country are imports. Like, it, there is sort of like this sense of resignation in Yi where it's like, look, we tried, but look, globalization is going to take it, all right? <laughs> globalization won this fucking game, baby. And it's, uh, I don't know, I, I personally am not comforted when I see that other people continents over are facing the same banal infrastructural issues that I do. Like, if anything, that kind of gives me this immense sense of dread that, like, oh, uh, Yang Yang's father is spending all of his days incredibly dissatisfied at his desk job. Like, just completely hates this semi-middle-class existence that he is completely trapped in. Uh, (laughs) And it's like, oh, man. So shit is just bad all over, you're saying.
3: (laughs) Hell yeah, brother. I would agree that it's not a warm hug, but mainly because, like, The main person I identified with was Ting Ting, who spends the entire movie feeling so Mm -hmm. guilty that she maybe killed her grandmother and she'll never know if she did, but she'll always feel guilty. And now she's just going to be a guilty woman because she's no longer a girl. She's a woman.
0: Oh, can I ask a question to the chat, which I didn't pose while we were watching it, but I'm curious. Was the bit with her and the grandmother awake? Was that magical realism? Was that a
2: dream sequence? Was it real? I assume dream sequence, um, mm-hmm. yeah, like uh, maybe not like so literally a dream, but like a fantasy sequence, unless she, in, in like, which she gets the opportunity to have the conversation with her grandmother that she, that's yeah. weighing on her throughout the whole movie.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. It's like that that moment where you can like actually retreat in your brain successfully and make something positive for yourself when otherwise it's just twenty four seven doom. Uh, you get that one serotonin rush of getting to meet the imagined sense of your grandmother one more time. And yeah, I mean, if there's any part of this movie that gets me to that point of like, a a bag of bricks falling on me, it is sort of that essence and that notion of like, oh yeah, I I often think of my grandmother in the same way. Yeah, totally.
2: heavy.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Also one more like more procedural question So when we get to Fatty and he's in the little corridor where he will later wipe blood, um, how soon after he has that conversation where he yells at our heroine, does he go in and murder the teacher?
1: I'm not sure how much sooner after, but I I know, I think he's out there waiting because he kills him out there. And so he's just waiting for him to leave. Um, I also, I've read in some bios that the insinuation, and maybe this, you guys already know this, but the insinuation is that the math teacher is is having sex with the mother and the daughter yeah is that what's happening yeah okay i miss that yeah. every time okay jesus christ <laughs> fucking a dude <laughs> this is messy like,
3: i would be annoyed if my mom was having sex with my teacher but i don't know if i'd be that mad i mean there would be other factors but like <laughs> <laughs> also she's married to my dad it would be weird on a lot of levels but like that was a that was a lover's squirrel. <laughs>
0: It was, like, a, a big, like, a triangle tri- quarrel. And this kid who's, like, is still in love with the girl. Yes, that's okay. I, I also needed a little bit of clarification. A classic <laughs> And movies taught him how to murder. That's what we learned. <laughs> that was so... That was, like, such a dark and random massive plot twist that is just swept under the rug immediately in favor of our heroine uh, having an emotional uh, fantasy about her grandmother.
1: <laughs> That's kind of like the Edward Yang special though. I've seen 3 of his films and in every single one there's a surprise stabbing. It is very <laughs> Okay, weird. love that. Cuz they're they're all <laughs> cuz they're all equally kind of like mellowed out and kind of just sad and then all of a sudden, gunk. Ooh. Very weird. I'm actually I'm really glad that you bring up that scene with Ting Ting coming back and getting accosted by Fatty cuz I think you're totally right cuz like she's basically entering this like rite of maturity when as she comes in, like not only is there this guilt of her thinking that she is essentially, she's butterfly affected her, her grandmother into a stroke, but now like, in any scenario she gets herself involved with there is always a 90% chance that there will be a man there screaming at her blaming her for everything she did not have control over like it is not it is now a physical presence of this very violent blame in addition to this internal guilt that's already been eating her up it's like oh my god her hers i think from she's kind of like my mvp family member of the film like I, I think I'm, I'm kind of glued to the screen whenever we're following Ting Ting.
0: I must say, I think my MVP family member is probably Yang Yang. Yang Yang, Yang, thank you.
1: Oh. <laughs> Yang <gang> for <laughs> sure. But like, God, let's I talk mean, yeah, about that t- fucking. No, kid. I
0: totally agree that like Ting Ting's story is very upsetting. And I, I mean, I was mostly upset because like it seemed to me like she was going to be gay, which like I'm always searching for in my media. We did really think there would be. Some, I thought this was a queer. Yeah. we really thought was- that. But it was 2000. (laughs) (laughs) I was certainly looking for sapphic leanings in Ting Ting. So when she started dating Fatty, I was kind of like, whatever.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it would make a lot of sense if it was like, oh, well, she's in love with the cello girl, Lily. But no. Yeah, she likes Fatty the murderer. The murderer!
0: (laughs) in which I'm like, oh, you just kind of made your movie wrong because you are watching or reading, or you're writing the script from like a heterosexual point of view when your character is clearly not that. I saw that haircut. I saw the haircut. I, the haircut. I think she has leanings. I leans. saw the khakis. Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but is that is that not like a trope though? To have it be like she she can't feel comfortable expressing that so she goes to the next best socially acceptable thing which is this x yeah it
0: makes sense but like yeah. clearly he wasn't going for that give me the finale where she is gay <laughs> <laughs> i
1: guess yeah I, but i guess it's also like asking for the finale where like yang yang gets in an a plus in his av class all right look let's talk about that little the, the tiniest fucking eight-year-old there ever was mr yang yang what he, he, he's the face of the fucking movie, uh, delightful little Sprite, running around, taking incredible f- photographs that would probably be published in Vice had this been a different decade. Uh, what a kid. All right. Who wants to fucking go first? Who wants to fan over Yang Yang? Oh
2: my Jennifer. gosh. He is so... Cute. First of all? <laughs> um, no, I almost had a, a fucking meltdown at the end when I was convinced for I, I believe like 10 whole minutes that he had drowned. And I was like, this is it. This is the end for me. Um, never returning to cinema ever again. I can't be afraid of <laughs>
1: Uh, it is such a crazy but, yeah, thing. He, truly, he jumps cool in the pool,
2: he's splashing around. It sounds like he's like calling for help. Then we do not hear anything. It's silence. And then it's two scenes. And then he walks in the door, sopping wet. And I was like, what was I supposed to think? <laughs> what was I supposed to do? <laughs> um, No, but he's the love of my life. I would die for him, etc. cetera. Yeah. <laughs>
3: He's just such a beautiful character where there were scenes where I logically know that I don't want him to, like, bully this girl he's obsessed with. I don't want him to, like, drop the balloons on her. I don't want him to call her a concubine. But I'm like, no, do it. Like, I'm just rooting for him too much because he's <laughs> such a magnetic character where it's like, oh, no, he's has, like, a cult leader personality where I will let him do anything.
1: Yeah, his relationship with that with that young girl is definitely, like, the most, and I say this in a loving sense, but, like, generic Uh, sort of narrative that this movie starts going down where it ultimately like concludes with like this fucking electric sequence where he sneaks into that classroom that's showing the movie uh, and she comes in and her skirt gets caught on the door and he glances over and it's like and then she walks in front of the screen and then suddenly it's everything clicking for Yang Yang at once it's like oh this is why I'm bullying this girl because I'm hopelessly attracted to what she is like i don't like has no idea who she is but it's just tapping into oh this is what like growing up is like this is what this new level of like emotional understanding is and like it's the most flashy moment of the whole movie but because it's a a film told mostly through very still photography and very quiet long patient moments it hits you like a, like a freight train. It's like, oh my God, cinema, cinema, movies, I love it. It's great, good stuff.
3: I also like that there's no subtlety of the movie they're watching is about like some chemical system where it's like, and opposites <laughs> attract. And it's like, it's literally standing in front of the presentation where it's just like, I don't need subtlety, that's fine.
0: He's so precious. When Jen, when we were having that moment where we were like, is Yang Yang gonna die? I, cause I was like, again, all these, uh, letterbox reviews have basically been like, "This is gonna rip your heart out," and I was like, "It's cause Yang Yang dies," and so I instantly, I don't like to worry. I don't. I can't take that on. I can't take it on, and I won't. And so I immediately googled does Yang Yang die in Yi? Yi? And um, reading the Wikipedia page and seeing he did not die, I was able to continue watching and enjoying the film. And I don't <laughs> think I would have been able to if I had been worrying.
1: It's not like an. It's definitely not an unfounded fear because that's kind of like a cheat. Screenwriting move for all these fucking big boys. We're just like, okay, how can we pull the rug out from under this viewer the most? Ah. Kill a child. Kill the most <laughs> beloved character. Kill that fucking kid into the dirt. It's 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 so easy. And I'm glad this movie doesn't do it. Instead like Chen says, like he just walks in 10 minutes later, sopping wet. And like with this big shit eating grin, it's like Edward Yang knows that we've all been stressed out these past 10 minutes. And so it just <laughs> brings him in there looking like a-, a toy. It's it's evil. It's it's such dickheaded it's shit. really sadistic. <laughs> but
0: he's so cute. It's fine. That last scene. That like that one got me. Obviously, it's like the obviously it's like the point of the whole entire thing. But it really just and he's just so precious. And the way he reads it is just like it's unbelievable. Also, that child was oh, he was probably about like eight or nine at the time. It's just so wild to me. Yeah. He's like two years older than me.
3: Oh like oh now now.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Always? <laughs> Aya's actually five. You guys,
1: that's the big twist. This podcast yeah, is funny. incredible for her. <laughs> Yeah, this this podcast is is just homeschooling is what it is.
0: It's like an age reveal. It's like a face reveal on Twitter. I'm like age reveal. I'm five. <laughs> he's like two years older than me, which I think is so crazy. Like I, I see a child like that, and I'm like, well, clearly he must have bo- been born in 2000. Um, this was released in 2000. He was born in 1991.
2: Yeah. Can I also just crazy. say that uh, the wrong teacher died? <laughs> Absolutely. The man yep. with stick when he was roasting his photographs, and he's like. <laughs> And it's like why are you killing I'm his, sure. his little dreams? And also his photographs were lovely. What's wrong
3: with you? <laughs> with a I mean, do I hate the teacher? Yes, but do I understand why he had it out for him? He was disruptive in class. He did the balloon thing. It's just like, you know, I'm I get it. I'm not I don't support him. Also, I will say the other teacher, if our theory is true, did like groom a child and have sex with I, her. So I don't know. I feel like I maybe they could, they could both die. They could both die. I don't, I don't know why I'm dying on this hill, but I think maybe the groomer could die. (laughs) Uh, It's
0: a the school.
1: This seems like a shady institution. Bad, bad building.
0: Seems like a bad school, especially when the, that lady (laughs) was like, hey, Ting Ting, you go to a really good school. And it's like, is it a good school? Their
3: teachers are grooming their children. I like the idea that an eight-year-old could leave school alone and go to a one-hour photo and then just come back.
1: Insane amount of freedom. That kid is just running around like he owns the country. It's (laughs) amazing. Yang Yang, I mean, again, I feel like that also feeds into, like, Yang Yang is Edward Yang, and he can conquer anything and everything. He is the young genius. It's like, yeah, I get it. Like, the the last laugh of the movie is that, like, that teacher uh, makes fun of him in front of the whole class for making avant-garde art. And then Edward Yang gets back at that same teacher, like, years later by going, yo, I won the Best Director Award at Cannes. Suck my dick.
0: I mean, we kind of talked about it earlier, but specifically with Yi Yi. Why is Yee, Yee the the one? Why is this movie the one? Why is this movie the one that why is this movie on your friend's top 4 on Letterbox? Why is this the curated fave? Like should like I would like to specifically get into it.
2: I mean, I know why it's on my friend's top 4. He's like the the poster boy of soft boys, like that's exactly who he is. So, um, but maybe maybe it's kind of a reaction against what we traditionally see as like big boy cinema where it's like, we've criticized, I feel like externally like film boy cinema has been criticized in the past like couple of years for being like so aggressive. And so this one specific thing that maybe now men that are interested in like movies and cinema and films are kind of like branching out and like seeking out like new kinds of like new art forms basically. And like, Um, And I think it's, like, the rise of, like, streaming services, like, Criterion Channel being, like, available to the public is, like, so crucial in, like, these types of films, like, getting a wide audience.
1: Yeah, that, that whole segment of, like, online curation and, like, establishing the new canon is, it feels so prevalent in like, really depraved film dude circles. I think a majority of, of, of the film-going scene is still like, oh yeah, like, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest is one of the best films ever made, duh. Godfather, best movie ever made. But I think there's a, a growing contingency of people who are wanting to reject that uh, understanding of what, quote-unquote, great cinema is and really broaden those horizons. Edward Yang's movies have mostly never been that easy to find. Like it wasn't until a few years ago where his like 1991 film A Brighter Summer Day, uh, which is like a four-hour-long coming-of-age film in the '60s, it's insane. It's now that I've seen Yee again, I'm liking all of his other films a lot more. But that's the thing is that these are films who were previously really not accessible, and there is sort of like this hopeful feeling where okay, these sort of like underground feeling things, and at least the states are now becoming more and more fixtures of what. Accepted like Hoity-toity culture is And I'm kind of cool with it Cause like Edward Yang at the end of the day Like this is a dude who is Yeah working within the Taiwanese film industry But like he's working with like non-professionals nonstop. Like these are very much labors of love With people who are not that experienced uh, Don't really do much afterwards And are also kind of like collaborations With either uh, people he admires uh, His friends Or his family And like when you're able to uh, like combine that with the fact that they feel so kind of like uh i don't know, what even what's the word to describe ye, you know? Like it it feels like you're you're a, you're god just looking over these people like in a panopticon, you know? <laughs> like it just it you're just looking at all of these human beings like through windows and like I feel like I shouldn't be there, but I'm I'm very privileged to be in this space. And I think there is that factor that comes in that gives it like that, you know, that, that it girl factor, you know? And I feel like that might be a part of what is is making its reputation uh, what it is now.
0: It is so interesting that you say specifically that it feels like you're God watching this movie because I was about to ask, okay, but like why do men love a day-in-the-life film so much. And I- <laughs> That's
1: exactly why. It's literally why. Because you get to become the eye in the sky. You get to, like, the movie literally tells you, like, you, if you watch movies, you get to live life twice. And you know what that means? That means you live more lives than the guy who lived life once. So, hell yeah, I'm an alpha this shit, let me get in it. That is 100% it, yes. <laughs> wow. Because,
0: like, we watched, we watched Days and Confused, I fucking hated it so much. Like, I think about, like, boyhood. Boyhood reminds me of this movie where it's just, like, I mean, obviously both of them are the same director. Richard Linklater, he wants to fuck a day. Um, I, like, (laughs) I really hated that so much. And I'm watching this movie, and I didn't hate this, but I'm still kind of like, okay, a lot of dudes are, like, really into this movie. Why? And it's like... Are you, are you so out of touch with, like, reality and, like, feeling your feelings in real life and, like, experiencing every single day? I don't know, like, I, f- I always think about this fucking tweet that was like, <laughs> how are people, like, how do people go through life not, like, drinking or smoking or doing drugs? Like, are you really just going to raw dog life? And I feel like people, I feel like dudes are not raw dog in life. And they're like, they're like, oh, let me watch this movie so I can feel something. And I'm like me, I raw dog life every fucking day. Like I don't need a day in the life film because unfortunately I am far too present in my own life.
1: Yeah. That's, I mean, I I really want to hear uh, Alexandra's thoughts, but I, I think you're onto something here. Aya.
3: <laughs> I really like that description. And like, I would not say that I felt like God watching it or any sort of panopticon. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> like, for all of this, which is very interesting and, like, it's not Yi Yi's fault that men are using it for clout. Like, I don't know exactly what it is that makes them feel it's probably good if they do. I mean, I haven't read those studies about serial killers, but, like, it seems like we need them to. <laughs> um, like, I liked the film a lot. Um... I guess if men do, I hope they really do and aren't just um, putting a flirty choice on their letterbox.
0: It's a good three-hour movie to like take a date to. You've never seen this. I'm actually very sensitive. And <laughs> put my hand on your leg for three hours.
1: I think it ultimately earns its 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 spot as like a, a movie that I did not waste my time watching. But this is a movie, a type of movie that I. I generally really don't like. A lot of, like, Italian films from, like, the 50s that do this, where, like, A Journey to Italy is one that comes to mind, where it's just, okay, look at this couple. Uh They're on a journey to Italy, and they're fighting the whole time, and they're walking through all these uh Roman uh, architectural wonders, and it's all... You know, basically making them feel like the smallest people in the world. Uh, None of their plight really matters in the grand scheme of things. And then that's the message of the movie. It's just like, we quarrel and we quarrel. And at the end of the day, we're just so fucking small. Why are we overcomplicating this for ourselves? And I'm just like, bro, why didn't I just call like an ex? Like, why didn't I just text a friend? Like, I I understand that you, you know, you want us to look at life your way. It's, you know... I love looking at life, but there's something to what Yee almost threatens where it's like, okay, yes, I get it. This is life. I'm literally doing this right fucking now. Like, I understand. I'm miserable. Like, I know other people are miserable as well. I there, When it gets to this level of banal, there is, I feel like, this romanticization by usually like a critical elite. Like, I guess to to, to bring this to like a more modern example, I hate Inside Lewin Davis i think that movie's a piece of shit and it's just like it's like two critically acclaimed awards whores uh, directors writers who are basically just saying oh man trying to get a start in this industry fucking sucks and i'm like yeah dude it does like (laughs) like i don't know why you're so attracted to how shit it all was like 99% of us are doing this (laughs) like this is not like a a fun interesting story route like this is what we do Uh, I don't know is that something that that irks any of you or is that something that you kind of Embrace or accept in in cinema like this
3: I have not seen any of the films you discussed Perfect Um, (laughs)
1: great You're dodging like 17 bullets
3: Gorgeous Um, The last film I watched was Twilight so yeah
1: A masterpiece
0: I think it's I think it's uh, it's how it's presented to me because I wouldn't compare this to Inside Lou and Davis by any means. Like yeah, I get they're neither. both like you know life fucking sucks movies, but it's very different. I, I mean, like like I guess the closest comparisons were like uh like you said Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which I do like, but then I also was watching this movie thinking about like boyhood and was like, okay, well, I hate boyhood. I think it's a very generational thing. Like, my mom fucking hates movies like this. Like, she w- refuses to watch movies that are too much, like, real life. Do you know what I mean? Like, we watched Lady Bird and she was like, get me the fuck out of here. Like, she hated that shit. <laughs> she's like, I come to the movies to see something crazy. You know? Like, she's unfortunately of the, the big, like, I go to the movies if I, if for movies I shouldn't watch on my TV at home. You know? Like, I I, I think that like that mindset can be really limiting and so she like because ref- she like refuses you know but like so I'm not going to refuse to watch a movie that's like too much like real life but at the same time you gotta really prove to me why I'm spending three hours sitting here like with a family when I could uh, go be with my family for
3: three hours you know <laughs> I think that's a really good point and also like when I really think critically about it, I'm like, well, nothing all that active happened. Thing ha- things happened, but we didn't see it. Like, we didn't see that man steal um, money from that horrible brother in law. Like, we didn't see the murder. We didn't see any of these active things. But, like, because it was laid out so beautifully, it was still very compelling. And I wonder if part of that was also, like, I don't know anything about Taiwan. I wanted to look at um, the dad just, like, crying at the sea in Japan. Like, oh, it was beautiful.
0: Love that. Yeah, like, if this happened in America, if, like, there was an American yi ye- yi ye- ball, I would not be as interested. It would be trash. Yeah, it'd be trash. I would not be as interested because I'd be like, oh God, I'm sure. Like, it's like death of a salesman. I don't know. I'm like, cool. Living in the Midwest sucks. Anyways.
3: Wait, who would you cast in the American Yee Yee? Oh, baby,
0: Jacob Tremblay. <laughs> <laughs> Number one, Tremblay.
1: Get Tremblay on the call now.
0: <laughs> oh, Matthew oh, Reese God. is an American, huh? He's an American. You could do an this American is the most
1: cursed topic. This is so cursed. <laughs> Well, you know they'll do it. Um, yeah, and you know it's gonna like be a... fucking Mark Ruffalo.
3: Oh Ooh. God, I hate that guy. I want to pause it for the uh, the neighbor mom who has sex with the teacher that her daughter also seems to have sex with, mm-hmm. Marissa Tomei. Of
0: course.
1: Yeah, duh, that's great.
0: Because you know they would just go with like a full cast of white people. Like it's like the Midwest, oh, oh, yes. American, of course. of course. Would it be Midwest? though? I, like I'm curious. Would it be like a or would it be like a bigger like a city? Because they're in a city. In the I think, movie.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think it's got to be city because I think what's like core yeah. to Yee is like finding identity in like the urban body. Yeah, and so what that of course means is that Glenn Close is playing the grandmother and finally getting the Oscar <laughs>
2: so in that, Chicago. That final I mean, speech,
0: and they're in Chicago. in Chicago.
1: There we go. Because
0: this movie partially discusses
2: Chicago, so we can just do like a little switchy thingy.
3: Important. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> Jen, you had a take. Oh, Anna De Armas as the pregnant wife. <laughs> <laughs> of
1: course, no. of course. Wait, so who's who's the who's the brother-in-law? That's crucial. It's Anna Armist. No, it's marrying. what's his name? It's
2: Jesse Plemons. I want to see Jonah Hill so bad, <laughs> <laughs> You just want to see him
3: passed out with that bush. That bush.
0: to see it. I think it would be great, actually.
3: I want like a young Philip Seymour Hoffman, but that isn't possible. And that oh, is why man. you picked
0: Jesse Plemons. Oh, fine. Oh, oh, shit. He's the young oh. Philip Seymour Hoffman. who did it. You that did is it.
1: insane amount of praise for Jesse Plemons. Oh, my God. Before we stray too far from the light, I'm actually really curious based on like on that <laughs> last topic we were on. Jen, what do you go to movies for?
2: I am such trash, and I have so many like cinephiles in my life that get so frustrated with me. I love a spectacle movie so much, and like not even like not even necessarily like I-, I don't really watch Marvel movies or anything like that. But it's like if there's a rumor that like somebody puked at this movie, I'm seeing that. Movie.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's my taste.
1: <laughs> you want the shock and awe?
3: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's true. Every movie Jen likes, like there's a trailer for that movie where the woman swallows tax and I was like, oh, I can't watch Uh-oh. that. that makes me sick and Jen's yeah,
0: that's like, Jen oh, that's my
1: shit. Oh my God.
0: There's a certain level of like, of like, like grotesque where I've, I watch it. I'm like, oh, Jen's going to love this.
1: Jen, can you give us like five recommendations of shit you've watched recently? Um, I, and I'm sure all of our listeners are fucking dying to know based on this description of your case. <laughs>
2: I mean, like, I guess that's a very extreme description of it, and there, it's, it's, you know, it uh, can be loosely applied to things, but, like, the movie I watched most recently that I loved is Shirley with Elizabeth Moss, which is on Hulu. It's phenomenal. And it is kind of, like, uh, claustrophobic and a little bit, like, nauseating at times, so I guess that's it could apply, but, yeah.
1: No, it counts, Yeah. <laughs> Trying to think- that movie is so weird. It, it weirdly reminded me a lot of like a musical list Rocky horror picture show. Oh, I can't. It's just a <laughs> bunch of people trying to, like, like the two people in the house trying to fuck the two younger ones and finding every way they can. Uh, <laughs> demented film. That's valid, <laughs>
3: and that's valid. Honestly, if I get to like go physically to a movie, I really like most things. Like I'm not that discerning. I remember the first movie I saw as a child that I hated. Like it. Me stuck too. Out. What was it? It was Anger Management starring um Jen's fave, Jack Nicholson, oh, no. and Adam Sandler. I remember being gifted it at, like, a birthday party and just being like, oh, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. But also, like, it's not the worst thing I've ever seen. I've seen so much worse. Yeah. But, like, I like most things. I enjoy them. I will say, like, there are things that artistically I'm like, oh, I know this was good. I never want to see it again. Like, you're, um, what's Adam Sandler's, another Adam Sandler, um. Uncut Yes. Yes. Uh, I never wanted to see it again. I know it's very good. I intellectually know it's very good. I also know that um, my heart didn't stop beating for like an hour after that movie. (laughs)
1: It's like a health concern mostly.
3: Yes. Um, High blood pressure probably runs in the family. I don't know. Uh, Yeah, I don't have as good an answer as Jen. (laughs) I like most movies and I don't want to be that stressed.
0: That's like you both gave answers that are so reflective of your astrological signs. I think it's insane. Oh my God.
3: <laughs> Kevin, what's your sign? Does it reflect? Uh, yes. I don't. Yes, absolutely. D- d-
1: yeah, I mean, I'm an Aries. I'm a piece of shit. I'm like garbage. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's nodding, by the way, for anyone listening at home. <laughs> Everyone Love very it. quietly, somberly agrees. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Kevin wants to have like the most visceral reaction to every single thing he sees. Like, he either wants to be like, I hated it so much I was ill, or I loved it so much I was also ill.
1: Well, yeah, I, I don't talk about the in-between ones. Like, no. what's the point of talking about the in-between ones? He wants Who to, like, wants truly
0: that? experience every range of emotions and come out feeling sick.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's called Luca Guadagnino's Suspiria. Best film ever made. Um, yeah.
0: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh,
2: no. Just
1: fucking puts you in a headlock and just spits in your mouth for two and a half hours. This a movie that I did not deserve it.
2: the runtime.
1: Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! Whoa. Coming on the podcast talking some shit. Oh my God.
2: They overused Tilda in that movie.
1: They did.
2: That <laughs> was an overuse she of Tilda. Should have played one. five.
1: Five <laughs> characters. Three was too few.
3: That
0: movie, I spat on my
1: phone.
3: That movie was like,
0: <laughs> all right. So, you know what's really scary? German politics.
2: <laughs> oh God.
1: Facts. Facts. <laughs> it's true.
3: <laughs> Wait, Aya, you didn't say what you go to the movies for, or did we start with that?
0: I go no, for? we haven't. Well, see, that's funny because I'm a Libra, so I'm like, I don't know, you just have to persuade me and I'll be there. <laughs> if you tell me it's good, I'll go. Like, But also, like, it has to be something specifically I like. feel like I might enjoy. I don't know, there's like a lot of movies that I... I feel like I'm learning more and more, especially like over quarantine. I'm like, I haven't seen a lot of movies, but like, I feel like, I mean, now that I had like movie pass and like stubs, like I'm very poor, like I like for a long time, I was like not making any money. So I was like, I can't afford to go see movies. So if I was seeing a movie, it would be like truly a spectacle for me. Like it had to be something that I was like, I personally was going to like cream my jeans over, you know? So like, I don't know. I really have to like, it takes a a lot for me to want to do things all the time and so i have to like really want to do it to to like sit my butt down and like watch it and that's that's like a very bad i feel um um way to go see things (laughs) like the other night i was like i have to do something crazy tonight and i might just like pop on the animaniacs
1: Like the old Animaniacs or the new one? The new
0: Animaniacs. It's very fun. Wow. I love the Animaniacs. we got a cartoon fiend. I love the Animaniacs so much. I feel like that says so much about me, but like, truly every part of my personality and my sense of humor has derived from the Animaniacs. And I am a Libra, um, which is why I'm annoying. Um, Also, Alex, I also viscerally remember the first movie I did not like, and it was Andre 3000. And I was like, I felt rattled in a way because to me like movies were a very special occasion like my mom made me feel like going to the movies was a very special occasion and like it was a huge deal when I got to go see a movie because it was like it's my favorite thing in the entire world you know so I was like okay Every movie is good because I am seeing a movie and I'm in a movie theater and it is dark and I am cold and I'm watching a film or I'm at home and I'm eating like all my favorite treats and I'm with my mom and it's a Saturday night and I'm watching a movie. So every movie has to be good because the experience is so right. But then I saw Andre 3000 and I remember afterwards my friend was like, that was good. And I was like shaken to my core because I was like, this can, these can be bad. Like they can do them wrong. I was really upset.
1: Wait. You said Andre Three Thousand twice. Are you talking about the Bernie Mac movie, the baseball movie? Yeah, Mr. Three Thousand. Mr. Three Thousand. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm referencing. A member of the I remember was Black wondering what that RP, was. Andre Three Thousand. Uh, outcast. Outcast.
0: Outcast. Jesus Christ. Wow. I'm a uh, mess. Folks,
1: it's the half white showing.
0: <laughs> She's here. She clocked in. Um, yes, Mr. Three Thousand fucking sucked. I
3: hated that movie. So it's about
0: baseball. It's about baseball.
1: It's about yeah. Bernie Mac wanting to get his 3,000th home run.
3: Does it? I think the only good baseball movie I've ever, I've ever seen is Bill, Bull Durham because it's such like a horny movie and it's not really about baseball. A
0: League of Their Own? Great choice. Oh, that is good too, but it's not very horny. Sheena's uh, <laughs> Sheena's aunt.
1: <laughs> Wait, Sheena's aunt is in A League of Their Own?
0: Sheena's aunt, it was on the team A League of Their Own is based on. Am I right? I'm correct?
1: Oh, I, that's I, right. Yeah, which
2: is why Sheena is so athletic. <laughs> Yes.
0: And this oh, was brought up in According the baseball episode of the last season of Vanderpump Rules.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Recast movie with Vanderpump stars go.
0: <laughs> Jax is the bloated brother in law.
2: Raquel is the pregnant yes. wife, obviously. Of course. Obviously. Of course.
0: I think Tom Sandoval is the dad. <laughs> I, agree with that. I think she I think Gina is, is Sherry, for sure. For sure. Yes. Absolutely,
3: Schwartz is the grandmother because we don't really need him to talk. Yeah, absolutely.
0: I, but you just have to like feel strongly for him, which I feel everyone kind of does about Schwartz.
3: And he kind of has the hair, so it's like, sure, no,
1: yeah. yeah. Uh, Doty is is fatty, a hundred percent. She
3: absolutely. will commit a murder, yes.
0: <laughs> One day tin her, she will. in
1: her plank. Stassi
0: is the uh, the neighbor girl. Oh yeah,
1: yeah.
3: And that makes sense that yeah, Kristen would kill for her.
0: Kristen would absolutely drop <laughs> of a hat. Stassi wouldn't even ask. Would I wonder
3: do if it. we could sued for this. Is this libel? Is this libel?
0: <laughs> who's who's uh, um, Ting, Ting? I think Katie is the mom because she has that dark energy that you know will go away if she just like takes care of it. But when she goes away, she can't even take care of it.
2: Yeah. Ting Tang. Who is Tang Tang?
0: Hmm. No one's God. good. Enough Honestly, to maybe like Jiggy
3: or someone. <laughs>
1: Oh, is it? wouldn't it Charlie.
2: be Charlie? Sen-
3: Charlie is taking t- <laughs> Yes, that,
2: that makes sense.
3: <laughs> My queen who has never had pasta. Why would you want that?
0: <laughs> Her gorgeous gat tooth.
1: Folks, uh, do we have any final thoughts on on Edward Yang's seminal classic, Yee Yee, aka a one and a two.
0: Gorgeous film. I don't know if I trust any man who says it's one of his favorites.
1: so it's a it's a classic big boy is what you're saying (laughs) it's a classic
0: big boy i think it's a gorgeous film and i feel like well maybe let me let me actually revise that i would ask any man if he said this is my favorite movie i'd be like i need specifics why and don't say it felt like a warm hug or like oh it was just so
3: beautiful like i want i want drop the specifics
1: some tangible reasons
3: i liked it very much um i also uh, I was confused as to why we were doing it on this podcast, and now it makes sense. Um, You know, great film. I liked it. I felt smarter after, but, you know, not that much. We love that. If you read for three hours, you'll feel smarter.
1: (laughs) Yo. (laughs) It's it's science, actually. (laughs) I I think, yeah, reading is probably a better activity than what I and I have dedicated our entire lives and careers to, probably. I'm illiterate. Something to consider. But hey, ye taught me you can't redo life. So fuck it. Full steam ahead. Jennifer? Yeah, Jen, you have like the biggest plot arc uh, for True. this movie. I mean,
2: I will say like, like I said before, I'm attracted to a spectacle movie, you know? Something that I'm going to faint to. But like this surprised me. Like I kind of... This is, you know, typically a movie that like I will make fun of at a distance without ever watching it. But... It surprised me I was really <laughs> taken by it. <laughs> um, I also wanted to say, uh, I don't think we get a, got a chance to talk about the fashion in in the film at all. Oh, we've got to talk uh, about the fashion. I want to start by just saying like, I don't think the pregnant wife is she ever named in the movie? I just keep calling her pregnant. Wife. Oh, her name is, is Xiao, Xiao Yan, right? yeah that's right. yes. yeah. so she is so hot, I just want to say. She, i was just uh blown away by her every time she was on screen all of her outfits were amazing um when she comes into the house and she's in that little like khaki get up and finds her husband
1: yeah. basically
2: dead on the floor that was a fashion moment like <laughs> oh my god i gasped Mind yeah. fit. and i do want to throw to alex for her yang yang takes
3: mm-hmm.
2: norm Cork. okay
3: I love every outfit Yang has. I feel that I do have most of them, but I also wanna <laughs> go to um my favorite man with the bowl cut. Yes. Okay. Uh, the who believe his name is Oto or Ota. He's the original like it's a video game designer, right? Like Yeah, kind of. Va- very I was really confused as to what industry they were in, but it's whatever it is, it's not doing well. I get that. Um the corduroy, the layering of the collar and the sweater. It's very gap two thousand four and I love that. That's good
0: ahead of his time i personally was addicted to um the mom's green skirt suit there was a lot of skirt suits in this film there was a uh someone's assistant was wearing a powder blue skirt suit at a certain point the mom was wearing that emerald green skirt suit at the very beginning there were a couple more throughout the film and i think that we should bring them back unfortunately they do not look good on me but i love them and i love to look at them and that emerald green one
3: gorgeous I think you have to be 40 to wear a skirt suit yeah. or like doing mock trial, which is the only time I've ever worn one. Absolutely. I don't think in this, you know, in the next couple decades, you will need one.
0: Maybe one day. Maybe I'll just go for it one day. Maybe I'll get married in a skirt suit like Carrie Bradshaw. You don't know. You don't know.
1: <laughs> Good Lord. I, I want to shout out that horrible teacher real quick. He's got that like, like Coke dealer Cuban grandfather fit going. Like he's got the cane too. I'm a fan of linens. I'm a fan of just truly retiring and not trying anymore and just wearing like basically socially acceptable uh, potato sacks. And that's what that man's doing. He's living out the dream, yelling at children, walking with a cane when he doesn't have to. and just wearing all white like a fucking goon. (laughs) Incredible. I hope to one day do it.
0: Goals. True goals.
1: Let's bring it in. Let's bring it in. Who was the hottest of the flick in Yee, yee.
0: <laughs> At first I said okay, all these people are like actively trying to look like normal humans, so no one's like very hot because they're all trying to just look like normal people. Unfortunately, hot people exist in real life too, and the hottest of this flick was easily, by far Xiaoyan. the hot pretty oh, wife. Oh! Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: Alex, who did in. you I'm think? I'm all in. Okay, so I was gonna go with Ota, um, and both <laughs> 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 because well besides like I do think he's handsome. Okay. Uh okay, so what, remember when he did karaoke? Remember when he performed that confidence? How are you not attracted to that confidence? This is very on Okay, brand she's winning me
1: over. I think I'm 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 with her. Cause <laughs> the song he's performing is like this beautiful Japanese ballad, Sukiyaki. That's like one of my favorite songs of all time. And you know what? Jeans creamed.
0: Wow. Beautiful. I was not expecting that, but also at the same time I kind of was.
3: <laughs> very on brand for Ms. Alex. People can't have chronically bad taste, and it's something we have to live
1: with, and
2: it's fine. God. Jen? <laughs> this is the best episode oh, we've I mean, ever done. <laughs> obviously, like, I've been ranting and raving about pregnant wife. like Pregnant wife. <laughs> pregnant wife! <laughs> yeah. She's yeah. so hot. She's the first shot of the whole movie, and she looks amazing. So it starts out so hot. Jen literally sent us yeah, I... a picture. <laughs> she sends so... us a picture and just says... Already, already obsessed with this one, And I was worried. I was like, oh, what if she's just only in this and we never see her again. And like, she's just like this side character that's only in this moment. No, she keeps popping up and she looks great every single time. There's a scene where she's in a white button up, like nine months pregnant. And she's like, oh, it's I, fabulous. I almost died. I almost passed away. My soul left my body.
3: <laughs> she had a baby in three days later. Is in like the tightest looking hangiest dress I've ever yeah. seen. Yeah. Unreal. Like, I'm mad that they did that to women, but also she looks incredible good for her. I also yeah, just
0: they a do it different note, in Taiwan. I love the I don't, I don't even think it's a running joke. I just love that uh, they still have not named the child at the end of the film.
3: Yes. Egregious. Because it's definitely months old.
0: People do that, though. People are, some people are like, no, no, no. I will just wait to see what happens.
3: I mean, one of our favorite podcasters did switch her son's name she at about age two. fully changed
1: the so. child's
0: name and announced That's it at crazy. a birthday party. Ew. Same names.
1: That's insane.
0: Wow. Casey Wilson. Casey Wilson.
1: Oh, my God. From our Real
0: Housewives podcast.
1: How do we usually end these things, Aya? What do we do?
0: I I mean, we talked yee-yee, did we not?
1: We talked yee-yee. I feel old, as our friend Yang Yang says.
0: Yang Yang feels old at age eight.
1: (laughs) Great sign. Alex,
0: (laughs) Jen, where can people find you online if they're logging on, if they, if you want to be found, t- say where you can be found.
2: It's trash cake. I don't tweet anymore, uh, but I oh, think yeah. if you go on the Twitter, my Instagram is is linked there. And I use that a little bit more, but only a little bit more.
3: <laughs> I'm um, on Twitter.com at wall2wallacky. Someone does have the at handle and it kills me because they don't use it. They're in Scotland and it's not even their name.
0: File something with Twitter. I think you can do that. It may cost money, but you should do it. I should
3: bomb scotland obviously i'm wealthy let's do
0: it this has been a real treat uh i've been dreaming about this episode for months and months and months when jen yelled at me for putting yee on my watch list while we were on a zoom um
1: a long time coming
0: a long time coming and it was a treat and it was exactly what i everything i could have asked for thank you so much for coming ladies
3: this was so fun thank you for having us you're
0: welcome back anytime if you ever want to watch another boy movie with me I would <laughs> simply love to have it um <laughs> folks thank you for listening to I versus the big boys um please rate review and subscribe um someone on this podcast has already reviewed the podcast with my favorite review uh so far from Ramona singer charts uh, it's true um oh, that's, wow. that's the Alice. mysteries
1: unsolved wow. <laughs>
0: Thank you for listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Leave us a little – drop us a little review on uh, iTunes. I don't know. It's, like, for fun. You know, you can say whatever you want. You can say you hate it. I don't care. Um, please follow Mary Graham Magazine at MGR Magazine on Twitter and Instagram. Please follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Aya LHMN. Kevin at Kevin Cookman. Uh, please join Diamond the Jukebox every Friday night on Merry Ground. Please donate to the Patreon if you if you feel like it, if you're nasty. Um I don't know what else is there. What what have we got? What would you have any plugs, Kev? I've got no plugs.
1: Uh fuck. I I don't know. Just stay alive, dude. It's fucking that's my plug. Don't don't kill your grandparents. That's oh, that's yeah. the only thing I gotta put out there.
0: I guess my only plug is that, um, In the TV section, we have, like, an incredible uh, weird feature about the Luca Guadagnino film, We Are Who We Are, written by Abigail J. Hodge and her partner, Hannah. And it's going to (laughs) slap. And so hopefully it'll be up by the time this is out. That's it! Thank you for listening. That's That's it. Yay. Bye. Bye. Don't be mad, don't be mad at me, da no, da no, no,
3: no. da. I can stop it, even if I want it. Don't be mad, don't be mad
1: at me, da no, no, da. No, no, no. I miss what you were saying. I was miles away. Don't be mad, don't be mad. Never got a choice. I was busy thinking about boys, boys. I was busy dreaming about boys, boys, boys. I was mad. I got about boys, boys, boys. I was busy dreaming about boys.